hey hey it's been a while so on this episode i'm going to tell you a little bit about the health situation i've been in not because i need to tell somebody but mostly because i think this is something that many of us um, as women deal with the balancing of things that are going on in our personal life and our work and also i want to speak to this because I think a lot of people in personal growth or in the spiritual realm think that if you're spiritual or if you've arrived or if you're enlightened then you wouldn't have some kind of human thing happening and I really want to kind of dispel the notion that that's what is aligned because I don't think it is I think that every single person And maybe I'm privy to a lot of spiritual leaders. And what I see is that they're very, very human. And a lot of the times they're having to hide their own humanity because people don't understand that we can be both spiritual and also human. Because let's face it, we're having a human experience. And yes, we're spirit beings, but we're also human beings, right? And this is, I think, where sometimes spiritual community kind of gets it a little bit wrong where we start thinking that, again, if we're spiritual, then something isn't going to go wrong in our lives or that we've attracted it into our lives. And I don't want to say that we don't each get to learn something from the challenges that we have. Duh, that's the whole point of it, right? That's the whole point of going through challenges is that we get to grow, we get to expand, we get to be wiser and have bigger perspectives and you know, graduate from relationships or graduate from aspects of our lives. Like that's what challenges bring. And so I just want to remind you and I that as we go through life, as we go through trying to really align with our highest destiny and our calling, or just even if our calling is, um, you know, being present to ourselves and our family, if we're like a hermit in the woods, Yes, that is kind of me, (laughs) Um, but not that's not all of me. But honestly, it's a lot of me. And if we're wanting to be this like hermit in the woods, it doesn't mean that, you know, we don't have challenges. Like that is the point of life. The other thing that I wanted to share, and I don't think I explicitly mentioned it as I was kind of sharing my whole health story with you here on this podcast on this episode is something that really, really troubled me while I took six weeks off to recover from this hysterectomy, the surgery, was I kept thinking about all the people who go through health challenges and don't have the privilege that I had to set money aside to establish a short-term disability scenario. Um, all these kinds of things to really, really take care of myself. And I go into a little bit of like all the things that I did, but I, I just, it really, really bothered me. It really bothered me that people struggle while they're trying to overcome a health situation or a family situation, right? If you have a family member that passes, like what do companies give? They give like a one day, like, morning day I don't know what they call it but okay this is where like you know that English is my second language (laughs) because I see the word and I just don't know how to say it but that day of mourning or that day of going to the funeral and then that's that that is not okay that is not okay 
I haven't really had somebody close to me die since I was a little girl. And so I can't speak to it from personal experience, but I can speak to it as someone who's witnessed others who were close to them pass suddenly. And the mourning process, the bewilderment, something like that, process is quite intense and really requires us to have space and um, compassion as we're going through this. And it's not available. It's not available in our modern times. And I really do think that you and I need to try to change this in whatever way we can. I also, okay, here's a, a little confession. I am not a fan of GoFundMe um, programs. Like I am if something, if somebody is really, really hurting and they have no way of accessing funds and, you know, everything about their identity like um, prohibits them from being financially supported during a hard time. But for whatever reason, I just, I have this thing with GoFundMe, like don't ask me for that. I probably won't give money. Um, and if I am gonna give money, I'm gonna give money in another scenario. <laughs> I'm not gonna add to the fund. That, I, I'm not, I don't wanna be obsolete about, like I don't wanna say like oh, that's the way it is across the board, but for the most part, for whatever reason, I, I need to do some work around that. What is this about? But for whatever reason, that just does not resonate with me. Um, and so anyway, um, I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of a preview of what I'm going to be talking about. This is kind of a, a pretty personal and pretty vulnerable episode. And also I talk about um, how many of us who have been in the holistic spiritual community um, are really having to reassess the way in which we look at healthcare, the way we look at how we are going to have a relationship with modern medicine, and how many in our communities are just um, not valuing what modern medicine brings to the table. Now, I'm not saying that they are uh, free of fault by any means. I've been in that industry for many, many years um, as an employee and, you know, as a consultant and just, you know, in general, observing it and keeping track of it because that's my background as a molecular biologist. But I want to speak to that a little bit more. I hope that you enjoy this episode and please, please, please let me know what you think of it. Um, uh, it's always helpful if you just even review or subscribe or rate um, the episode. It, it really helps to have other people who are interested in these kind of honest conversations to come on board with us too. All right, beautiful. Enjoy. Welcome to the Women on Purpose podcast. Get ready to be inspired, moved, and activated with some of the most powerful women who are here to share their stories and their medicine. I'm your host, Asha D. Ramakrishna. Hi, boo. <laughs> it's been a minute. And I wanted to do this podcast episode because I wanted to share with you the story um, that I've been in, the um, 
journey that I've been walking uh, for at least a year. And it all kind of started um, after coming back from Bali in a more intense way and walking into U.S. soil with all of this COVID situation. And, and the beautiful thing also about this experience that I had is that it brought so much clarity, so much awareness um, of myself and of how you and I sometimes interact with the world in terms of binaries, you know, in terms of like, this is good, this extreme is good, or that extreme isn't good, and um, and how I, anyway, personally have really shifted into more middle ground, um, the middle way, as the Buddhists say, like it's nice to think of it in terms of like philosophy, like philosophically, but it's a whole other thing to actually experience that in your body and really come to that realization from the inside, you know? And so, um, although this is a little bit about my health journey, it does also encompass other things. It encompasses bigger things. And I don't usually have notes uh, for my uh, podcast, but I do now, I do for this one, and I just wanna make sure that I kinda like cover everything. Um, so as you know, in, maybe you don't know, but in uh, February of 2020, um, I, with my friend Elisa, took a group of people on pilgrimage to Bali, and it was quite a profound experience at so many different levels. It really felt to me as though Bali was that soul home of mine. I had thought that I found my soul home, <laughs> but I was wrong until I went to Bali because even when, you know, I'm part Indian, and even when I went to India, I could not connect to the Hindu temples. And my friends say, oh, well, you didn't go to the right ones. Maybe, but in any case, going to India, connecting to that part of myself I couldn't connect to the Hindu temples. It just to me, all I could feel was the suffering that the people were experiencing. And in India, there are two areas where Buddhists have communities. And one of them happens to be in um, the Korg region in Karnataka, which is on the west. Uh, uh, yes, on the west. Um, and it's we went there and it was beautiful and amazing and we really wanted to see the Buddhist community because I had been, if I were to like classify myself, especially at that time, it's changed since then, but if I were to classify myself, I, I would have said that I was a Buddhist. And so when I went to um, this Buddhist temple um, and community, I was immediately felt at home, immediately felt like that was my vibe, right? And what... I discussed, so that was like kind of my foundation of like, no, this feels more right to me. And then when I went to Bali, and if you don't know this, um, Balinese religion um, or way of living has this combination of animism, Hinduism, and Buddhism all encompassed. And so for me, it was like, wow, this is like perfect because the animism piece was probably the piece that I felt was missing 
um, in Buddhism, uh, and um, at least for me anyway, in, in the same way that it's alive in Bali. And so it was a coming home to myself in a really big way. And so here's where the health stuff comes in. <clears throat> Clear my throat for you here. <laughs> so leading up to going to Bali, I had been noticing for the past, I would say a couple of years, that my cycle was shortening. It was starting to be every three weeks. So I sort of knew that my body was preparing itself for um, menopause, right? And I started reading up on that and how I can transition my body in the most gentle way and support my body. But all along, I had also been dealing with endometriosis. I have a family history of this. My grandmother um, died of ovarian cancer and although my mother doesn't know exactly what procedure she had or what the what the name of the um, condition was, um, maybe they didn't even tell her, right? Um, I do believe now, having gone through what I went through and, and hearing her story and what she went through, I think that she also had endometriosis. So I had been dealing with endometriosis. I had some cysts and I was kind of like keeping them, you know, they were, they were shrinking, the cysts was shrinking and I thought it really had a lot to do with my diet. And so, um, you know, I was keeping everything under control, essentially feeling good. Like I am a very vibrant person, you know, like I have a, I have a lot of energy, um, quiet energy, but I have a lot of energy and, and, but, um, the pain of the endometriosis for sure started increasing. And I was managing that, um, through a practice that I teach my students, which is a practice of presence. Um, and also, I, I mean, I really wasn't taking any kind of pain medication, which if you have endometriosis, <laughs> you probably know that it's, I don't even know how I did it, but it was just, I don't know. I was committed to like managing it in the best way possible. And this is where you can sort of catch that, wow, here's a binary. I don't want any pain medications. I want to manage this naturally, right? And so why am I talking about this? Why am I telling you about this? I'm telling you about this not because I need to share the story or, um, you know, I don't know what I did. But what I did was that I asked permission, you know, I asked permission and, and um, felt as though I needed to go in. I don't know, I needed energetically, I needed to go in energetically. I had I had been guided, I had been granted responsibility uh, and permissions to guide these people. Um, you know, we had a whole ceremony prior to, um, prior to having everybody arrive. And so anyway, I, I just, and even with that, I have to say like this still, even the story that you, you're hearing me like kind of fumbling through, even that story has a place of balance, right? Because I am one of those people that says, listen, if you do not have permission from the lands that you're traveling and they're not your own and they're not in your DNA, um, 
you're kind of like being quasi colonizer, right? You're just like going in and like doing your thing, like taking up space that um, you haven't even asked for permissions of those lands and the indigenous stewards of those lands to go into. And so I'm that person, right? That has a judgment about that. And, and of course, life threw me this curveball and said, what are you going to do now? You can't follow the rules. What are you going to do now? And, um, and I was open with the women that came with me. I, you know, didn't, I didn't want to hide it and also it came up and I didn't want to hide it and I wanted to be honest with them and I wanted to have the conversation of this is how I saw it and and you can choose to um, see it differently and I totally 100% would respect that. Um, so there's that. And so Bali put into motion uh, the next phase of my life and, and I had um, some experiences in Bali connected um, to an archetype there of the crone essentially and I knew this is where I was headed right and when I arrived to the U.S. with all the COVID stuff I went into and I, uh, I told my students this like I am in stress mode like I am going back to, if you can all remember March of 2020, I went back to the basics. The basics of um, walking every day, like it was a must. Doing yoga every day, it was a non-negotiable. Journaling every day, it was non-negotiable. Mindset work every day, it was non-negotiable. And I was still having this... Um, very stressed response. I was in a lot of fear around monies. I was in a lot of fear around what was next, the the uncertainty of things. And of course, as all humans, we we all experience that, right? It's like we want everything to be certain and life is like, nope, sorry. And you know, it for me personally, it really came to down on my knees kind of place even though I was totally, like, I was centered, you know, like, doing my best to, like, do the things, and, and, you know, having everybody at home was a shock to my system, because I love being alone, and I love getting work done when nobody's home, and even, like, today, I'm, I'm recording this, and I just have this, like, window where nobody's here, and, you know, our house is small, so, <laughs> and my office is not a studio, per se, so it was really hard and what started happening was that by May, so two months later, my body started um, not keeping itself together and I started bleeding um, profusely and I started, I was basically bleeding for a month until I said, I, I can't, and, and you know, I was seeing all the alternative health practitioners. I was seeing the kinesiology, kinesiologist. I was seeing the NAET. I was seeing the acupuncturist. I was seeing the, my Chinese doctor. I was going to the chiropractor. I was doing all the things. I was giving myself space to rest um, while still teaching, while still working. And, and my body was just bleeding. And, uh, you know, by my birthday, 
um, I, which is in July, I knew that, um, okay, I'm going to make this offering of this blood to the earth and really have her and, you know, the goddess, the universe, spirit, um, really guide my next steps. And my next steps were to get on birth control. Now let's back up. <laughs> I am not into that. <laughs> I, in fact, I think we did a whole podcast episode here on why not going, why not to start birth controls or why stop birth control. And I had to. It, it, I, it was like the only recourse for my body to stop bleeding. And so I go on birth control and, you know, I know all the problems with it. And I knew that I wasn't going to be on this long term because, you know, I'm, I'm almost 50. So I'm probably, you know, I was probably ready to, within the next 10 years, ready to enter menopause or so. And, um, and so I really nudged and encouraged um, my medical team to allow me to pursue the next steps, which were more radical. And the next steps were to have a hysterectomy and if possible to keep an ovary so that there is still some estrogen being generated. Mind you, it's, you know, not a lot, but it felt as though that was the next step for me. It was a decision that was pretty clear to me that my soul was guiding me in that way. And now I want to talk about um, the insights of why I decided that. Um, one, I decided that because I really received from my soul that this part of my body, and you know, if you're going through something with a, you know, something health related, and it's like very targeted to a certain organ, I, you don't have this doesn't have to be your truth. This was just my truth, and and what I received as my truth was that this body part, my um, my uterus, was no longer in alignment with my soul with where I was in this lifetime, that as someone who I believe that I have been a mother many, 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 many lifetimes, because it's something that, um, you know, I, I, I was born doing, I was the oldest of five, so I was born doing that thing, um, it was no longer a part of me. It was no longer in resonance with where my soul is going to next, with where my um, evolution is going to next. And so it needed to be removed. Energe you know, the, the physical part that I'm no longer in resonance with, with needed to be um, removed. And that, again, if that doesn't resonate with you, like, that's totally okay. You know, you may be on a totally different journey. You may be on the journey of alternative medicine 100%. And as someone who has been doing that, and also, like, remember, I'm a molecular biologist and I grew up in a developing country. I am not one to, like, poo-poo modern medicine all the way. Am I one to be following the all the modern medicine rules, including vaccines? No, I am not. But I do make decisions, informed decisions, 
that uh, makes sense for that time, right? And um, and so I had this executive decision to make about my body. And the decision I made was to embrace modern medicine and embrace that my surgeon was able to do, um, you know, th this surgery with minimal, you know, like my, my scars are like, I don't know, two centimeters, <laughs> like the incisions are tiny. And um, so anyway, I, I really trusted the team. I had an amazing experience. I got to say, um, wow, what an amazing experience. If you're in the Boston area, uh, Nisi Clark was my surgeon um, and her team was unbelievable and the level of care was unbelievable. And so there's the next kind of bit that I want to tell you about. So this is kind of like the backstory of everything that was happening behind the scenes. And then what I want to enter into is what happened to me during recovery, the insights that I received during the recovery that I think are valid, not just for me, but also they, I, I feel like some of you may really, really resonate with some of the, the insights that I received. And it's also opened up insights on how we all view um, the medical field and the alternative health field. And how we also view the our lives you know the spaces that these kinds of challenges bring to us and and I want and I just want us all to like honor our humanity like just honor our humanity a little bit more and I feel like I'm gonna get a little bit emotional but I feel like sometimes we forget you know like in the pursuit of all the things we love in the pursuit of the lives we want to lead, in the pursuits of, but in the pursuit of the lives we want to lead and the things we want to accomplish, and, and honestly also in the goals, in the financial goals that we have, we forget our humanity. We forget that we have this powerful, potent, magnificent, vehicle of all of this and we forget that we have to give her respite and we have to give her space and rest and you know back um almost 10 years ago um which was like the pivotal moment of my life for sure when I left my corporate job and I was blessed with six months of severance and you know, I really felt that it was like this like gift from the universe to like figure myself out and figure out where I was headed and also rest um, and in space to be clear. Um, I, I feel that these six weeks of recovering from the surgery have been that again. And I was talking to my girlfriend who um, is traveling for two weeks to um, help her sister who's undergoing um, some health crises 
and you know she was like trying to set up her life right before leaving and she's got two little kids and whatever and so she's like trying to set up her life and trying to make it all work while she's gone and I laughed with her I was like oh my god like that's how I was right before going into my surgery like I was lining everything up right like I was like hiring people to check my emails I was um what else oh the monies like lining it all up and making sure that it was there so that I could be restful and I didn't have to think about things I didn't have to work and um and like little things oh these are and, and I think this is good because if you're going through anything like this I I think this will resonate so I also um lucky enough that I um a friend sent me um I'm trying to find it she sent me, oh, it's called um, this my, this uh, guided meditations for going through surgery. And it's called guided meditations to promote successful um, surgeries. Highly, highly recommend it. So I was doing that. And then I um, got bought myself some really comfortable PJs because I knew, you know, it was like all the, everything was going to be happening around my midsection. So I wanted to have stuff that was super comfy. And I... Um, yeah, I was lining everything up. Oh, the other thing that a girlfriend recommended was, hey, have your people, like your soldiers, um, shout out to Elisa who said this to me, like this is a time where you're going to get to see who your people are, right? And um, so then another girlfriend said, get a WhatsApp group going of a few people that you trust with your life and you know that are your people. And so I did. And then I also lined up people in my like geographic community to be available should I need anything um, during the recovery. Because yes, I have my partner, but you know, <laughs> I was a little bit concerned. I wasn't sure that he was going to be able to like do this, right? And, um, and in fact, I was so skeptical um, of this like because you know like when you're going through something so vulnerable in recovery y you want love and you want to be nurtured and you want to be t be taken care of at least I did and you want people to give you flowers and I was like all right what if nobody sends me flowers like that's going to be a real bummer and so I bought myself flowers ahead of time and had it delivered the day after surgery <laughs> I know it's a little crazy but I just I was like listen if nobody's gonna do it for me I gotta do the best I can to set it, this all up and I thought in the back of my mind I thought if, if my husband can't handle it I have Instacart and Whole Foods can be delivered to my home right so if he can't handle it I'll be fine well he 100% surprised me shocked me and blew me away by how he went above and beyond to be there for me. Um, wow. Um, yes, I might cry again. <laughs> um, he was a real cheerleader. Like every day he just said, you're doing great. You're doing, oh my God, you're doing so great. And um, I mean, obviously cooked every meal, like catered to every request um even the stuff was like "Ooh, can you clean that up I can't stare at that you know all that stuff and cooked me exactly what I wanted and and it was just a beautiful beautiful um way to be met 
in going through such a vulnerable time. And what was funny was that I didn't reach out to the people who I enrolled to support me. I, I didn't really need to. But it was more just knowing that they were there. That was that and that I had set up my people, the people I could trust should I need them. That was enough for me. I I I didn't need them. I honestly I didn't need them and it and it gave me a chance to like not be like feeling sorry for myself, even though I did kind of feel sorry for myself um those first two weeks for sure. Um and all right, so let's talk about like the recovery process and the recovery process, what I'm gathering is unique for every person, right? When you go through surgery, the recovery process is unique. But there are some elements that really seem to kind of intersect. And some of the elements are, oh, why is this happening to me? Um, I have big things to accomplish and this thing's getting in the way. Um, we maybe like project, projecting on other people, like they should know what I want and what I need. Um, you know, also things related to like, will I get better? Is this just going to be worse? And focusing on like what is bad. Um, and just feeling very vulnerable, feeling like I have to rely on everybody else and I am this in independent person. And remember that I'm all about that. Like, I'm all about, like, you know, owning your own shit. But also remember that that's the, the independence um, narrative, uh, stories, um, goals that we have been given by society to be all those things is also one that keeps us isolated and keeps us away from relying on each other. And we're here, we, you know, we didn't, like, we didn't incarnate in bubbles, right? Like, we incarnated in a world, into a family, group of people. Um, we're connected with each other. And this notion of being independent, even though it's something, like, I'm really passionate about, I had to be that. I have two daughters and I'm like, you need to like, I don't care what you study. I don't care what you do, but you need to be able to support yourself. Like I believe in that wholeheartedly. But I also, and also, I believe that we need to also open ourselves up to rely on each other. And it's a very vulnerable thing when physically it's not a choice. Like it's not a choice. It's a, it's a like here, the choice is made for you. <laughs> You've got to rely on other people, right? Whether you like it or not. And, and so this place of pain, really, and how we move through the pain. Because what's, what's on the opposite end is when we have pain and we decide we want to push through it, for those of you undergoing some health thing, you know that sometimes, you know, pain medication can be that thing that you you rely on because you've got to push through the pain to do the job, to take care of the family, to provide for the family, to show up for your people. And, and it's not 
sustainable, right? It's not like you're going to be completely depleted and things are going to get worse because we're not paying attention to ourselves in that way that we're being asked to. So then back to this vulnerable place post-surgery, um, I, again, went back to basics like I did in March 2020. It was like, okay, I must listen to mindset work. <laughs> like I had, you know, audios on repeat. Um, I had that meditate, that guided meditation on repeat. At least every morning I listened to it for the first two weeks because it really made me feel strong and it made me feel like I was cared for and all that. Um, journaling was um, became a daily thing also, at least like the first three weeks. Um, and, um, what else happened in that process? I think that when my physical body started getting better and I was definitely on, I mean, I wasn't on like heavy pain medications, um, but I was taking like the ibuprofen and Tylenol for I, I guess it was the first two weeks, something like that, um, was that I, when the physical part of me started feeling better, I started noticing that um, there were these like underlying things, like there was like the visual and um, what else? The visual and my nervous system was not quite like, settled and so I started doing these subtle more subtle practices so certain practices they were basically like sun practices um that you know like ancients always as you know in, in in ancient traditions they always revere the sun and sun is like life force right so I started doing some sun practices I couldn't quite do sun salutations because my body wasn't quite there um, and that, those subtle practices started bringing my system, those more subtle body pieces, more on board. Um, I did go see the chiropractor. I did go see acupuncturist, who's also an NAET person. And, um, and I'm, you know, I, I'm feeling like myself. I'm feeling like myself and also not feeling like myself. I feel like these six weeks have really changed me in, in recalibrating and in regrouping. And I, I got to tell you, like even when I was in pain um, the first couple of weeks, I was still so grateful to have the mental break, um, the energetic break from working, 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 right? It was like so nice to be give to give to have given myself that kind of space to just be how many times do we do that in life like i just told you 10 years ago life gave me that opportunity to do that and now life gave me another opportunity instead of 6 months it was 6 weeks but it it really shifted um it shifted so much in me it shifted what i how i want really, really clarify how I want to start off my day, really, really clarify how I need and want to simplify things in my life. And, you know, some of those changes are coming soon that you'll be seeing um, more towards the fall, but um, but changes are coming to, to everything I do. And, um, and this question 
of binaries and balance started coming more into focus. So I talked about how the medical piece kind of was like, wow, okay, here's a, a very direct, um, sincere, honest, um, right in front of me opportunity for me to see the value of both alternative medicine and modern medicine. And, and I want us to, like, I really want all of us to kind of be invited into this notion that it doesn't have to be like modern medicine is the devil or alternative medicine doesn't work. Um, but that actually both of them together can really be utilized in ways that make us more whole. And we don't, we just don't need to demonize the one over the other. And, you know, when it comes to this whole thing with vaccines, I think there's something here for us to question, right? There's within ourselves. There's something here for us to like be an inquiry over because whatever your belief systems were prior to 2020, if you're not reassessing what you believe in, you're doing yourself, your community and the world a disservice. And I'm not here to like tell everyone to like go get their vaccines because I do believe that people should have a choice. But I do feel like we have to not demonize this, like not, you know, like there, there isn't a microchip on these vaccines. I mean, are pharmaceutical companies corrupt and out to just make money? Yes, but also I have been working with scientists at these pharmaceutical companies for, you know, over 20, 25 years. And I'll tell you, these scientists are not like here to make money. Um, yes, they have to abide by board of directors and yes, they have to, um, you know, they have to be profitable, but the scientists working on, on solutions, health solutions are really there because they are in their dharma. They are in their vocation. They are doing, they are pouring hours upon hours upon hours and knowledge to coming up with ways of helping us all. Do I think that the vaccine is the solution? No, I think the solution is that hard thing that I was telling you about that <laughs> I've had to do, right? No dairy, no gluten, minimal sugar. Um, if you can live that way, you will be healthier. You will be able to be faced with um, COVID or any other thing coming your way and your body will be stronger. And that's what I also noticed too, is like I was eating that way. Mostly I was eating that way, like once I knew I was getting the surgery because I wanted to have my body be as strong as possible as it was undergoing some, you know, pretty traumatic um, surgery, right? It pretty, it's, pretty, it's pretty major surgery. And um, it was like, for anyone who's curious, I think it was like a three to four hour, it was like a four hour surgery, I believe. And, and so if, if we haven't changed our viewpoint since 2020, then we need to like really ask ourselves, like, are we growing? So here I am, this like, you know, pretty hippie, um, as much alternative care as possible. I'm pushing back. Again, I come from a developed country, so I'm not against vaccines, but I'm definitely against the regimen of vaccines. And, you know, I pushed back on that for many, many years. And 
I mean, just for not that you need to know this, but for me, um, because we travel to developing countries and also because where I come from and my science background, um, I did decide to vaccinate my kids, but I didn't go by their schedule. <laughs> so if the schedule was a three, you know, two year schedule or four year schedule, I pushed it to 10 to 15. And I felt comfortable with that, you know, with, I don't know, I felt comfortable with that. I understand that absolutely I believe that people have a choice. And I will say that even before 2020, I wasn't getting, uh, um, what is that, the flu vaccine. Because I was like, uh, the data's not that great. It's 30%. Um, like, who cares? I'm not getting that. And, um, and now I don't know that I would get a flu vaccine, but I... Um, I understand now, you know, I understand now why doctors would push for that 30% efficacy because it makes a difference if you're around immune compromised people, um, you know, you can affect them. Right. And so anyway, this vaccine thing has made me the, you know, the COVID vaccine has made me also think about, wow, what is our role? within community what is our role what is our role a personal role yes sovereignty of like take care of your body eat well be hydrated all that good stuff and <clears throat> you know if you choose to be vaccinated like for you for your well-being by all means and also wow when you're vaccinated you're not just protecting yourself you're also protecting other people something to consider because I'll, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something that really left an impression on me. And this is not about vaccines. Um, something that left an impression on me was that I, and I'm not here to give medical advice by any means. Like, like disclaimer, not here to give medical advice. But I was seeing this alternative uh, care provider. And she was doing a certain protocol on me. And something she said really struck me. She said, um, you know, I was like, thank you so much for like doing this session. This is so good. And she was like, yeah, doing the session versus having a, a history of losing your entire uterus. Of course, I'm going to do that. And I thought, and well, I paused and I said, no, no, I am going to do that. <laughs> Like, respect me for my choice. Do not minimize my choice to, to do this thing. And also, I'm grateful for this work because I don't think that there are, there's just one answer, right? I think that there are compounded answers. And, um, and to kind of speak to that, in case you're curious, if you don't care, like just fast forward a little bit. But I did have the, the vaccine. And what I did is I got myself... Um, chiropractic treatment. I also had an NAET protocol um, and acupuncture to help my body be best prepared for the vaccine. And uh, I did. I also did a vitamin C drip um, to kind of remove any toxins. And, and again, I'm eating how I'm eating because I want to care for my body. And um, so those are the things I did to prepare for it. So anyway, back to like this, this comment that was made is that I think sometimes we're so caught up in our binaries. 
we're so caught up in like, no, I'm going to heal this. I'm going to heal this with herbs. I'm going to heal this with acupuncture. And I 100% want to encourage all of us to exhaust all the resources. And when we have exhausted all the resources, I want to also allow us to open our minds and our hearts to modern medicine. And if you're on the flip side, if you're like all about modern medicine, if you like pop an ibuprofen any moment you get, um, I want to invite you to open up your mind to alternative resources, alternative ways of taking care of your body, of really looking at what am I eating? And, um, and you know, if you can line up with a functional medicine doctor, I highly, highly, highly recommend that journey and, you know, having support around that, right? I think that's super, super important. So that is kind of like everything that I wanted to share with you. This says, um, you know, yeah, that's basically what I wanted to share with you. I wanted to share about balancing. I wanted to share about like just being transparent about what happened to me and why I've been quiet for a little while. Um, it felt as though, I know that some people talk about their health journeys on, on the now as it's going. That didn't feel honest for me. What felt honest for me was to have me process it a little bit more, synthesize it, and, and then share it with you. And, um, and I'm sure I can, I can feel that this isn't done for me. The synthesis isn't done for me because I thought, oh, I was going to have this whole thing about like, I'm no longer going to be a mother. And like this part that really defines me as a woman is out of me. Um, like I am not having any of that, um, right now anyway, <laughs> I am feeling really at peace with it. I have no tension with it. And now I'm just again, supporting my body as it goes through the next phase of transition and continue to recover, you know, every day. I can feel like every day I'm stronger and stronger and um, and also moments of recognizing like, ooh, I'm not completely healed. Okay, pause, right? Um, and giving, giving myself space for that. So I hope that this share was something that was helpful. I hope that this share allowed you to um, to kind of think a little bit about where you stand in terms of like the binaries of health or the binaries of your life um, and where you may be needing to balance. And also, I hope this share inspired you to be proactive in respite and pause in your own journey as probably a facilitator of tons of people, you know, you're probably a therapist, a coach, a healer, an artist, a creative, and um, your work is important. Your work is super, super important. People rely on you. Um, people need your medicine. And when people need our medicine, we also need to be the medicine to ourselves and give ourselves that space. Okay, beautiful. That is it from me. Um, if you have any questions, email me, um, or find me on Facebook, Asha D. Ramakrishna, or Instagram, Asha is now. Talk soon.
Welcome to the Women on Purpose podcast. Get ready to be inspired, moved, and activated with some of the most powerful women who are here to share their stories and their medicine. I'm your host, Asha D. Ramakrishna.